Okay, let the, uh, let the exodus begin. It happens every week. It's pretty fun. But it's good to see, uh, it's good to see uh, so many of you here this morning and, um, you know, family that we've, we've known for a while and um, be able to worship together. Um, be in prayer for those. Keep, keep praying for one another. I, I came across that, um, that verse that Chris read this week in my, in my uh, Bible reading, and it just struck me how um, we all know prayer is important. You know, we believe in prayer. Yes, right? Prayer changes things, etc. We all know that, but how easily it is. We, we kind of go down our list. Um, we, we pray for all of the emergencies, and um, sometimes it's good to be reminded of the exhortation that we are one another. And that we need to be in prayer for each other, and um, I think it it's uh, it's a it's true. And you've probably found this that um, prayer often changes your relationships, changes your circumstances, um, but it changes you too, and changes your heart. It's hard to it's hard to be angry with somebody who you're praying for. It's hard to. It's hard to be bitter against somebody who you are exhorting or you're supplicating and, and lifting up to God. You know? We need to be reminded of that. So, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to start a little different today, if you don't mind. John chapter 8, verse 23. Jesus said, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. In John chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus said again, Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And then in his words to his disciples in John 15, he said, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because... You are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And then in John 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples. And he's praying to God and he's praying for his disciples and he says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And then we have passages like Colossians chapter 3, where where Paul, the apostle, talks about um, he doesn't use the term world, he uses uh, an adjective, he talks about things that are earthly, And he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, 
impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And then James, he exhorts his readers when he tells them in James chapter 3, he talks about the wisdom that is from above versus the wisdom that is from below. And he's talking about it in the context of understanding why there is bitter jealousy, why there is selfish ambition in, in our hearts and in others, why we, can't, uh, why we can't come together. He says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual. You ready? Demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So, what are all these passages saying to us? There is, a, there is a worldly way of thinking, and there is a heavenly way of thinking. There is an earthly mindset that Jesus came and said, you're in the world, you guys are all thinking worldly thoughts. I'm not of the world. If, if you want to come to me... You have to have your minds on heavenly things. And, he's, and, and the apostles say, why is it that we struggle? Why is it that we're uh, combative? Why is it that we are, 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 are dealing with issues? Young man, I, I, I want to do what is right. I want to do what is right. Why is it that we don't do what is right? Well, sin, the flesh, temptation... All of those things, what are all those things? Those are, those are things in the world. That's where we live. That's where we exist, here on earth. Why can't we get it right? Well, part of, part of why we can't get it right is because our minds are on earthly things all the time. And it's only by God's grace and the intention of the Holy Spirit working through us that we can have a heavenly mindset. And what does that do for us? changes everything. It produces joy. I've been talking about joy. We're in Philippians. We're working through Philippians chapter 3 right now. Lord willing, we'll be in chapter 4 by the end of the message. <laughs> the gospel of joy. The gospel, the good news that Jesus has given us because He wants us to have joy in this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world, Jesus said. I have come that they might have joy fulfilled in them. He wants us to have joy in our walk with Him. You know what? The mark of a Christian, 
all the bad things happen to Christians that happen to everybody else. But a, but a, a Christian who is transformed knows where his citizenship is, knows where he belongs. And he belongs with Christ in heaven. And his mind is on that. And he rejoices. And nothing can take that joy from him. Would you stand with me as we read Philippians chapter 3? Stand with me. Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, help us to see your glory. The glory that you have had for eternity. The glory of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Our Christ. The glory that he had with you because you loved him before the foundation of the world. And help us, God, to have our minds set on you, to be transformed in this earthly life, that we can live with joy, that we can live out your purposes for us, because you love us, because you have saved us, because you have called us to yourself. Help us to listen now, and be transformed by the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Would please be seated. The the big idea, the big idea in this in this um, passage that we just read today is this: we look for the theological truth. If we if we try to if we see we look at that passage and go, well, what is what is this passage um, trying to point out to us about our God, about our Savior? Um, who is he? What is the, what is the deep theological truth that, is, that roots everything else? It's the foundation of everything else. And it is this, that the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the, the very phrase that, that Paul uses here, the Lord Jesus Christ is our glorious and powerful Savior. That is true. The Lord Jesus Christ, he is the Lord. His name is Jesus. He is the Christ. Christ is not his last name. <laughs> it is a title. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the one that was, was promised, the one that came, the one that came to redeem, the one that came to save. And he's a Savior with a capital S. The Lord Jesus Christ is our glorious 
and powerful Savior. And if that's true, then He has given us, as He has enabled us, to have joy in a heavenly mindset. We, if we lose sight of our Lord, our minds settle on earthly things. But when we keep minds on our glorious and powerful Savior, He lifts us above that. He, he transcends in our minds destruction, shame, earthly things. You see that in verse 20. We wait from heaven a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What does He say? He's going to transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. He is glorious. He is majestic. He is beautiful. There's nothing you have seen in this world or experienced in this world, no matter how glorious it is, that compares with the one who created it, the one who made it the one who gave it to us. And it's by His power that He will stand as ruler, Lord, King. Revelations 5. Heard that this mo- uh, a little bit earlier. Revelation 5. The Lamb at the center of the throne receiving worship. All voices raised to our glorious and powerful Savior. If our hearts could be on that, if our minds could be set on that more often, what joy there is in that. What joy there is in seeing our glorious, powerful Savior lifted high. There's more. Because what does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean to have joy in a heavenly mindset? Have you ever heard the, the phrase, oh, he's so, she's so heavenly minded that she's no earthly good? Um, you know, I, I think C.S. Lewis said something. Uh, he's like, I, I've heard that. You know, that's, that, that's around for a long time. Um, mostly spoken by people who don't have a heavenly mindset and they have no idea um, what that means. But the flip side of it is we can be so earthly minded as Paul says here that we're no heavenly good. And what does it mean though? What does it mean to have joy in a heavenly mindset? Well, there's a, there's a couple things I want us to, to, to look at here. Um, the first thing is that joy in a heavenly mindset defines our earthly uh, example. Did I put examples up there or models? Okay, models. I put models. Um, the, word in the, the word in the text I read to you earlier was uh, example um, and, and, and imitation, um, mimicry even. The, 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 the Greek word here is, is for the word that we get that's, uh, that's mimic. Um, it's somebody that you imitate, that, that you... you you see an example, you say, I, I want to be like them, or I am going to be like them, or I'm going to do what they do. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the child who is following the father's footsteps through the snow. Um, uh, we, we get enough snow around here to do that. Um, I got, we got a lot more snow, snow up in uh, Spokane and Colville where I, where I grew up, 
And uh, I remember following my dad's, you know, footsteps through the snow, imitating him. I remember, I remember um, taking my glove, my, my baseball glove. I loved my baseball glove, and I'd work it in, and I wanted to... But my dad's glove was flat as a pancake. And I wanted my glove to be fat, flat as a pancake. And I wanted my glove to be creased just like his. Um, I did that. And then I realized it was utterly useless to me <laughs> like that. <laughs> and I realized the reason it's like, his is like that is because it's 25 years old. Um, and uh, anyway, but you see, imitation, mimicry, we, 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 uh, that's, that's, the, that's the word. They're, they're earthly models. And, and so this joy in a heavenly mindset defines our earthly models. Look what, look what Paul says in verse 17, right off the bat. He says, brothers, join in imitating me. And literally he's saying, be fellow imitators or co-mimics. That's a good, that would be a good word. That would be an interesting translation. Be co-mimics with me. What does he mean by that? Well, I think what he's trying to get at here is he's, look, he's saying, look, you all together, you should follow my example. You should imitate me. And he reinforces that in the very next phrase when he says, keep your eyes on those who walk or live according to the example you have in us. Who's the us? Well, he's writing this letter, but so is his fellow worker, Timothy. Timothy's a, one of the co-authors of this letter, going all the way back to chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy. That's who the letter's from. So he's talking about himself. He's talking about Timothy. And, he's, and he, he, he uh, held up Timothy as an example in chapter 2. He says, I'm hoping to send Timothy to you soon. He said, I have no one like him. He will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. He is concerned for your welfare. He says, you know Timothy's proven worth. How was a son with a father. He has served with me in the gospel. Here's a man, Timothy, who has served with me in the gospel. He's proven himself. There's no one else like him. He is concerned for you just like Jesus is concerned for you. Just like Jesus um, set his mind to humble himself and to serve, to be a servant, to, to, to uh, not uh, elevate himself, but to lower himself, to look out for the interests of others. That's Timothy. Man, he, he is one that you should imitate. You should be a co-mimicker of Timothy. And, and then there's, there's my brother uh, Epaphroditus. I don't know how you... I, I, Epi, uh, no, Epa, uh, I don't know what his nickname was, but um, Epaphroditus is a great name um, if you're still having children. Chris, you guys? No? It's E-dog. It, it's not an A. It doesn't start with an A, but you could maybe, you could maybe change that up um, to, to, uh, for the alliteration with your children, your other girls. But Epaphroditus is not just somebody, you know, not just a great name uh, to name your child, but Epaphroditus was an example. He was a brother. He was a fellow worker, a, a co-worker, a fellow soldier, a co-soldier. 
Um, he was the Philippians' messenger. He was the Philippians' minister to Paul's needs. Um, Epaphroditus loved Jesus. He loved others that in the course of his, his uh, work, he fell ill. And instead of going, well, I'm ill, better stop this trip, better go home. He's like, and I am going to continue the work that Jesus gave me to do and that the Philippians asked me to do on their behalf. He nearly died for the work of Christ. Here's, here is an, here's Epaphroditus held up. This is a guy who was willing to die for you. Just like Jesus. Just like Jesus who humbled himself coming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. When Paul says, join in imitating me, he's stirring up their reminders. He's reminding them, look at what, look at, I've lived my life in following Christ. Look at how Timothy and Epaphroditus have lived their lives, how they have followed, followed Christ. Keep your eyes on, or pay close attention to those who walk according to the example that you have in but then he says, let me give you a reason why you need to pay attention to these people. Why you need to keep a close eye on them. Because there are many who walk as enemies of the cross. It makes a stark contrast there. There are people, he says, of whom I have often told you. And now I tell you even with tears. I can imagine Paul writing this letter. Or maybe... <laughs> Maybe Timothy's writing it for him. Paul's dictating it. Paul didn't have very good eyesight. You can check that. You can look it up. Maybe. That might be true. He says, he's writing this letter, and he's like, for many walk. And he's like, pause. I've told you this before. And now I'm weeping because there are people who, who claim the name of Christ who do not walk according to the example that you have in us. They walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. And it's, like, it's, a, heartbreaking, it's a heartbreaking experience for him. He pauses in the middle of this sentence. It's just a weird sentence. He just pauses right in the middle of it. I've told you this before, and now I'm weeping as I tell it to you again. Because it breaks my heart to see people who are, who, whose end is, verse 19, destruction. Whose God is their belly. In other words, their idol, the thing they worship the most, is the things that they want. Their desires. Yes, maybe, maybe specifically the things that go into the stomach. Maybe their appetite for certain kinds of food or drink. But more generally, in, in Paul's mind, is the fact that their earthly appetites are the things that they worship. I have to fulfill my appetites. I have a desire for this. I'm going to get it. I have a desire for that. I'm going to go for that. They are fixated on it. They're addicted. It's their God. And it says they glory in their shame. Their shame is that all that they love, all that they worship, all that their minds are fixated on, in the end, 
when they stand before the Lord on the day of judgment, they will have realized that their boast, their glory, the thing they, they were so confident in is the thing that is going to bring shame in the presence of their Creator. And so because of that, Paul says, they actually walk as enemies of the cross. The way they live their lives betrays their, what, they, what they claim with their mouths. These are people who claim to be Christians. These are people who are claiming to have knowledge of Christ. They, they, would, they, they would claim to be zealous for Him. They would claim righteousness for themselves. They may even claim some kind of a earthly perfection. Like they have arrived in some way, got to some state of, of righteousness. But Paul saying, remember what I said about what I said about confidence in the flesh? <laughs> Remember when I said that, that we are the circumcision who worship or serve by the Spirit of God and we glory in Christ Jesus and we put no confidence in the flesh? There's nothing that we have done or can do to make us right with God. No, he's like, I, I am rejoicing in Christ. I am trying to find Him. I am seeking Him. I want to know His all-surpassing worth because I don't have a righteousness of my own. That comes from the law. It comes through faith. You know what that means? It means, I believe in the all-surpassing worth of Jesus. The treasure hidden in a field. The pearl of great price. But he said there are others who, whose example, whose model, whose earthly model is destruction, is walking as enemies of the cross of Christ. What, what does that mean for us? It means discernment, first of all. Who on earth are we following? I, I was talking with my, with my mother-in-law last night, and I gave her this message. It's a lot shorter than the one you're getting. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. But we were in a Sherry's restaurant. We were having dinner, you know, um, steak and egg, you know, whatever. Anyway, we're talking about that. And I, said, and I, and I talked about, you know, earthly models. And, and she's like, well, well, we're not. We're not supposed to pay attention to other. We're not supposed to look at other people, are we? We're, I said, well, okay, yes. We're supposed to keep our eyes on Jesus, Right? Right? That's what we type. Join a heavenly mindset. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who is a glorious and powerful Savior. Keeping our our, our eyes on Him. But sometimes, sometimes we go through life and and we go, well, I'm having a hard time keeping my eyes on Jesus. So what do we do? We look around. And we go, hey, Joe is keeping his eyes on Jesus. He, he has a heavenly mindset. Maybe I should follow his example and get my eyes right with, you know, maybe I need to come up next to him and go, well, what are you looking at? Oh, I see it now. All right, I'll walk with you. 
join in imitating. There are people in our lives that should be imitated. Godly models. Models on earth. Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, who are following Jesus, who are keeping their, their eyes and their, their hearts and their minds on heaven. And they are the ones we should imitate. The worst thing we could do is to, is to flounder around and say, well, I follow Jesus. I keep my eyes on Jesus. Or I don't imitate anybody else. In other words, well, really who's king and lord of my life is me and my attitudes and my passions and the things that I'm interested in. That's, that's actually what that means. We are a church. We are together. We ought to be looking at one another and going, how can I imitate my wife? Well, you can also look at my wife and say, how can I imitate Michael's wife? Uh, if you want to. And go, well, how is she following Jesus? What in her life is bearing fruit? What in her life is bringing joy? You know, what, what, is, what is it that is, that, that is strong and growing and healthy? And how can, I, how can I follow that example? How can I imitate that? Now, you could look at our lives and, and go, well, well, there's not much there to imitate. Or there's not much there that I want. True. There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of messed up stuff in all of our lives. Is Paul tell, telling us to imitate that? No. He's not telling us to imitate that. If there are things in our lives that are bringing, bringing uh, uh, the cross of Christ uh, 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 into disrepute, then we ought to not imitate those things. But that's not what Paul's saying. We ought to discern. Paul's giving it his example. And remember his example, following Christ, keeping his confidence in Christ, um, worshiping by the Spirit of God, glorying, glorying in Christ Jesus, knowing, knowing Christ as, as all-surpassing worth uh, and the purpose of his life. Um, sharing in his resurrection, attaining to the resurrection, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, pressing on towards the goal. Those are the things that we imitate. And if you see those in another brother or sister in Christ, imitate it. And in fact, let me go one step further and say, say something about it and encourage them. Because we are only one step away from destruction. One step away from falling off the narrow path. You know what he says in chapter 4, verse 1. He calls them my brothers. I love, I long for, I desire you. I want to be with you. You are my joy. You are my crown. The crown is the wreath. The finisher's wreath. That they would give the, the athletes when they finish the race. And they would get that crown you are that to me. He builds them up. He encourages them in the Lord. He says, you are my beloved. He doesn't let them walk alone. We are co-imitators. Co-mimics. Fellow imitators. We join together in doing so. And it increases our mindset. It brings joy into our life. Going to the next one. There is joy in a heavenly mindset that transforms our earthly living. 
It transforms our earthly living. Because Paul is not just talking about, um, he's not just talking about head knowledge. He's not just talking about having fig- things figured out or having a, a book with charts in it. He's talking about the way we live our lives. That's what the walk is. Those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Or compared to those who walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. In other words, those who live, live this way. He wants them to live that way. He, to live it out. There's, it's, it's earthly living. The, when we look to Jesus, He transforms the way we live our lives right now. Colossians chapter 3. You may be wondering about what, how we can kind of fix our minds on that heavenly mindset. Paul, Paul says in Philippians 3 verse 20, but our citizenship in heaven. What does it mean to capture that? To grab onto that? To, have, to, to know that we are citizens of heaven even while we're here on earth. In Colossians 3 he says, if then you have been raised with Christ. In other words, if you are a citizen of heaven. Okay? That's what he's saying. That's, the, that's a parallel. If you're a citizen of heaven, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And he, and he de- defines that for us too. He's like, what does it mean to set, seek the things that are above? Here, here's what it means. Set your minds on things that are above. Think about them. Put, put your thought into them. Have you ever been, um, have you ever talked to a counselor or therapist, and you're talking about your problem, I just feel stuck. And then they ask you a question, and maybe they probe, or they, they, they throw something out, and you go, oh yeah, oh yeah, I, I, knew, I knew that. Oh, oh yeah, that's right, I remember that. Suddenly, I'm not unstuck anymore. Suddenly, I'm, I, it dawns on me that I had the answer in my head all the time, or in my life, or in my past. Or, uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's such an amazing thing when I'm talking with somebody and, and I see the light bulb go on and they realize the resource was right there the whole time. But they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about the problem. They're thinking about the situation. In, in this passage, in Philippians and in Colossians, their minds are on earthly things. They're thinking about all this other stuff. So we got to get our minds right. We have to set our minds on those things above. He says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Set your mind on that. Think about the fact that hidden with Christ means secure. Secure. There's, there's nothing that can take you away from that position with Christ. Your citizenship cannot be revoked. You are in Christ. You stand firm in Him. He is your life, He says. So what does He mean? Or what, how, do we, how do we go about that? How do we live it? I'm not going to preach another message from Colossians 3, but I want to. He says, put to death what is earthly in you. Sexual impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. You walk this way once. You shouldn't anymore. Put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. Don't lie to one another. You've put off the old self and its practices. You have a new self and it's being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. 
Christ is all and in all. And he says, put on then as God's chosen ones. How do we, how do we live? Well, Jesus has transformed us to live this way as God's chosen ones. And we recognize, I have been chosen. I have been elected. I have been made new. This is who I am. We're, we're on a new team, right? David, we're on a new team. Holy and beloved. Compassionate hearts. Put these on. Kindness. Put on humility. Put on meekness. Put on patience. Put on bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. That's that's earthly living that is informed by a heavenly mindset. When we realize who we are, that's one thing. But our earthly living also transforms how we think of others. It's not just who I am. We like to focus on that a lot. I think, I think, we, I think we, 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 are, we tend to veer into an error and into a dangerous place by thinking so much about who I am in Christ, who I am. Oh, this is who I am. I'm a daughter of the king, hashtag daughter of the king, hashtag um, son of God, hashtag whatever. We think, what about, what about brother and sister so-and-so? He is talking about how we relate to one another. And we see each other as God's chosen ones, plural, not one singular. It's not just about me. And it's, he's talking about how we relate to one another. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. How many of you want that? You were called in one body. <laughs> the peace of Christ, he says, let it rule in your hearts to which, you in, or to which indeed you were called in one body. Inner peace is good. Peace in the body is better. Because that's what he's talking about. And he says, and be thankful. When was the last time that you spent some time thanking other people? I hope you do it often. I hope you do it regularly. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And it, just, it should be you know, a, a regular thing we do. But here he's talking about the... the the, the connection between peace and our thankfulness and our gratitude towards each other. That's what he's talking about. It really challenged my heart this week as I meditated on that because I realized that that is the earthly living that God has called me to and called us to. To have that mind about it and to have... To, to be transformed by him. Now, verse 21, he says, he, Jesus, will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. There's something we're waiting for. We're not yet arrived. Uh, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, he says. Uh, but I press on. I, I do not consider that I have made it my own. 
But I forget what lies behind. I strain toward forward to what lies ahead. We have already been changed. We have been justified by His grace. We stand righteous before God. He has changed us. And He wants to continue changing us. It's so great to have a young person say, I want to do better. I want to be changed. And to know, you know, brother, you're you and me both. You and me both. I want to be changed too. That's where we're at. We're, we're living here in this earth. Earthly living. He transforms us. But joy, finally joy in a heavenly mindset empowers our earthly perseverance. Perseverance. He says in that last verse I read earlier, chapter 4, verse 1, don't, don't get too distracted by chapters and verses. Um, they're not inspired scripture. But this verse really summarizes the section that we just looked at. And it summarizes it and, he, and it gives us kind of a, 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 a period on it. Because he says, look, you all, here's how I think about you. I love you. I long for you. You're my joy. You're my crown, my wreath my finisher's wreath, and this is what he asked them to do. Therefore, based on what I've just been told, telling you about joy in a heavenly mindset, stand firm. Stand firm thus in the Lord. Stand firm. What does it mean to stand firm? He's using an army term where the centurion's got his hundred soldiers and they're on the battle line and things don't look good. And... The, the, the barbarian hordes are coming at them, or the Persians are coming at them, and, and they're getting ready for this battle. And some of them are getting a little weak in the knees. And some of them are going, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I didn't pass my last army physical fitness test. You know, uh, there's something, you know, we're, we're, we're worried about what's going to happen. And he says, stand firm. The centurion says, Stand firm, men. Stay online. Keep your shields locked together. Have your sword at the ready. Persevere. It's going to be a fight. Paul says, not to stand firm in your own effort. Not to stand firm with your own strength. Don't stand firm with your earthly weapons. Remember, he wants us to have a heavenly mindset. The heavenly mindset is we stand firm because we are in the Lord. We stand firm in the Lord. It's He that we're united with by faith. He has saved us. He is our great and glorious Savior. He has the power to subject all things to Himself. He is the one who controls His armies. He is the one who has victory. So that so that shepherd boy David could walk out there on the, on the battlefield with a sling and a stone and say that the Lord is going to win this battle. We just have to... I'm going to go out there because guess what? My God is bigger. And my God is greater. My God is glorious. My God is powerful. Nothing can stop Him. You know why? Because... He defeated death. 
He's not going to die again. Everything bad has already happened to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's already happened. He's already paid the price. He's already, he's already received the wrath of God on himself, dying on the cross. He's already, he's already taken the punishment for our sins, past, present, and future. He's already done everything that he could do to make us stand firm in him. And that's why today, all over the world, believers are living and dying for Christ. They're standing firm in the Lord. They know that it doesn't matter what happens to them, doesn't matter if death happens to them, or torture happens to them, or they lose their jobs or their homes, or they lose respect, or they lose friends. They can stand firm in the Lord. They can persevere on earth. Where are we? Perhaps you want to consider your, your earthly models. Perhaps you want to consider your earthly living. Is my, the way I live my life consistent with a heavenly mindset? Or am I really living and walking as an enemy of the cross of Christ? Maybe you don't realize it. That's okay. You know, there's, there's grace for the journey. That's, I mean, these, these sins and mistakes and, and things are, they're just a speed up in life. We slow down, collect ourselves, and before we know it, we're back up to highway speed again. But are we, are we watching that? Are we paying attention to that? How about our perseverance? Are you ready to throw in the towel? Are you ready to give in? Are you looking at the situation going, I don't know if I could go on much longer. Is Jesus saying, stand firm in me? Keep your eyes on me. You're armed. You are armed with my armor. I have equipped you. I have empowered you. See me high and lifted up, the one who has overcome the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers to you, and thank you for teaching us, and thank you for teaching me. And I pray, Father, that that you will be lifted up in our hearts. That, Father, this world will not and cannot defeat us. Our joy is fixed on you. Joy forevermore. Because you are eternal. You are heavenly. You have brought everything under your control. God, as we, as we walk through, live the rest of our days, this earthly existence, may we do so acknowledging one another, both following and setting examples for others. That, we, that our, our, our heavenly citizenship, our belonging to you, 
influences how we live this earthly life. That our hearts and minds fixed on you will help us to stand firm no matter what we face. For your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.